by way of Shaley's request. All right, number 308, number 308, higher ground. She even knew the page number, didn't even have to look it up. So, number 308. All right, let's sing it together. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay, where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven i found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. <clears throat> well, it's been a busy week this week, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, a lot of folks that are still sick here at Keith Heights, and so uh, be in prayer for them. Uh, many of them not able to come yet, but they're starting to recuperate, it sounds like, and uh, most all of them across the board are starting to feel a little bit better at least. And so we thank the Lord for that. And a great, just a beautiful day today. I don't know about y'all, but I got to work outside a little bit today and enjoyed that. And just some sunshine and fresh air felt good. And so it's been a great day. Good to see everybody here tonight that's able to come. And others of you that I'm sure are tuning in online or will do so later on. And glad that you're able to be able to. Aren't you glad we live in a time where we can do that? I mean, what if this thing had happened back before we had that kind of technology? Uh, been real difficult for us. So we thank the Lord that we have that privilege to go online and still continue to preach and be able to be a blessing and a help. And hopefully tonight the message will be a, a blessing to you. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. We'll ask for the Lord's blessing uh, on the service tonight. Father, we're so grateful and thankful uh, for all that you've done for us. Lord, when we look at uh, the number of our folks that got sick, and yet, Lord, you've spared their lives, and many of them that still have a ways to go, but yet we're rejoicing <clears throat> in what you've done for them. And then, Lord, your many blessings to us. Lord, we, we could be here the rest of the evening and really not even scratch the surface of all the goodness that you've shown to us, not just in this week, but in our lifetime and all that you have 
been to us. And we're thankful that you allow us to come to you, to call you our Father, to be able to come to you with our needs and our prayers that you've commanded us and told us that we need to come and cast our cares upon you. And so, Father, we do that tonight. We come to you tonight with many folks with burdened hearts, some that uh, are ill and not feeling well, others that need guidance and direction in their life. And, Lord, there are some people that just need uh, some help with uh, their physical needs and the things that... Um, uh, you provide for them. And so, Lord, we do ask that you would be gracious in all of those areas and that you would uh, bless where it's needed. And, Lord, by your grace, that you would uh, treat and, and deal with each request out of the abundance of your grace. And, Lord, we understand and know that we have no merit, we have no reason to expect or to uh, believe that we deserve those things. But we're thankful that you've loved us enough to give us your grace in these areas. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless there. I pray that you would bless in our church. And, Lord, in the days and weeks ahead, as we look forward to doing some great things in, Saint, in Jefferson County, that you would continue to uh, bless our church, help it to uh, be busy reaching people with the gospel, that we would lift you up, that we would walk with you, and, Lord, that our church would be very sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you will bless all that we say and do tonight. And, Lord, may it be a blessing to our hearts. May it be something that will help instruct us and guide us in some things that I believe are very needful in the day and age that we live. And so, Father, help us to rightly divide your word. Help us to understand it clearly. And may your Holy Spirit bring to light and to mind the things that are needful tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> All right. Let's turn over to number 470. You know what? I'm going to hold off on that. We're going to do that one last. Let's go to um, 476, and this is one we don't sing very often, but it's a wonderful, wonderful song. Uh, it is glory just to walk with Him, and if you know it, you can sing it with us tonight. If not, uh, maybe catch on to the tune by the second or third verse. You ought to have some of it anyway, and um, it is glory just to walk with Him. Let's sing it together. It is glory just to walk with Him whose blood has ransomed me. It is rapture for my soul each day. It is joy divine to feel Him near where'er my path may be. Bless the Lord, it's glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with Him. It is glory just to walk with Him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with Him. It is glory when the shadows fall to know that He is near. Oh, what joy to simply trust and pray. It is glory to abide in Him when skies above are clear. Yes, with Him is glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with Him. It is glory just to walk with Him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with Him. Twill be glory when I walk with Him on heaven's golden shore, never from His side again to stray. Twill be glory, wondrous glory, with the Savior evermore, everlasting glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with Him. 
It is glory just to walk with Him. He will guide my steps so right through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with Him. Amen. Isn't that a great song? I'll tell you, I'm thankful that God lets us walk with Him day by day. And, um, you know, somebody said, with God on my side, uh, who can be against us? The truth of the matter is I'm not so much worried about God being on my side as I am worried about being on His. And, uh, boy, isn't it a joy to know that He allows us to walk with Him and to talk with Him. I'm reminded in uh, Genesis when the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve, and He used to walk with them in the cool of the evening, in the cool of the garden. And uh, that was his pleasure. That was his joy to walk with them. And when sin happened, Adam and Eve went and hid themselves. And uh, I'm so thankful that when Jesus died on Calvary, he restored that relationship that had been broken and allows us to walk with him and to spend time with him. We, we don't have to come through a priest anymore. We don't have to make a sacrifice anymore. We can come right into the very throne room of God and begin to talk with Him, and to walk with Him, and to spend time with Him. And oh, what a joy that is. And I hope we don't ever get over that. That's an amazing thought when you think about it. It really is. And I hope we don't ever get over that. Well, number 473. Number 473. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. I was thinking about this song this afternoon. It was kind of on my heart, and was singing it a little bit. And uh, I love this song. And... Uh, Think of the day that we got saved and what God did for us on Calvary. Uh, let's sing it together. We'll sing all three verses. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus my Savior I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling, He made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul, when at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's blood, oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace He did proffer, He saved me, oh, praise His dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul, when at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Now I have a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed. 
Riches eternal and blessings supernal from His precious hand I received. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Let's sing that little coda there. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. All right. Man, what a day that was. Uh, the day we got saved. What a joy to our hearts. And uh, I'll tell you, there's sometimes I get down and depressed. Things don't go the way they should. You ever been there? Uh, I sure have. And boy, it doesn't take very long thinking about what God did for us on Calvary before it just causes all of those troubles to kind of fade. It really isn't all that important when we look at what God has done for us. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, I hope we don't ever get over the day we got saved. And uh, it's a precious, precious thing to us. And we thank the Lord for it. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We've got so many folks to be in prayer for. I'm not going to name all of our folks that have uh, uh, their homesick uh, in our church because I'm sure as I'm due, I'll forget one of them. Uh, but pretty much everybody in our church that's not here tonight, pray for them. Uh, and uh, still sick, still in, most of them still in bed, even sick. Uh, good news is most all of them have said that at least by today, uh, some of them yesterday, some of them uh, on Monday, uh, that they said they started feeling better. And so it uh, sounds like they're on the downhill side of it. Be in prayer for Brother Richard Anderson, uh, who is in the hospital. And um, he went in with uh, pneumonia and had uh, sepsis and some other things they were concerned with. And then uh, got news, I guess, either yesterday or this morning uh, that he uh, tested positive for COVID. And so please keep him in prayer, uh, if you will. Uh, in the hospital, and uh, numbers of our others that have uh, been really, really sick with it. Um, the last, uh, out of the last uh, six days or so, uh, we've had to take my daughter Reagan to the emergency room twice at night um, for some severe pain that she's been having, and uh, they believe that it might be her gallbladder, and so please be in prayer for her. She's kind of young for that, but uh, she's got some tests on Friday and next Tuesday uh, that I've got to take her in to get done, and uh, hopefully that we'll get a good report back from that. And um, but pray for her; she's been uh, real sick. She did text me this afternoon, said that she was able to go to school today. Uh, she did take some of the pain medication they gave her for it, but uh, she was able to make it through the whole day at school, and that was a blessing. And uh, but do pray for her; she still has a lot of pain. Then my brother Rich uh, Boer down in uh, Tennessee was also put in the hospital this week. And uh, was in there for, I think, uh, at least two, uh, two days, and then I think one night and two days. Um, and uh, so, if you will, keep him in prayer. He did finally come home. He is doing slightly better, uh, but very similar uh, situation, a lot of pain. Uh, he passed out from some of it and uh, just had a real difficult time with some things. And so, if you will, keep him in prayer. And then we also got uh, word this week, uh, I know many of you have been praying for my Uncle Eddie, uh, over in Indiana, and um, they uh, did some more testing this week. They found that the cancer is now spread to his blood and is up in the right side of his brain in a lot of pain, just severe pain. 
and uh, please be in prayer for him and uh, for God to give grace uh, there. And uh, he's saved, and he, he knows he's on his way to heaven, and I thank the Lord for that. Uh, but my aunt is really having a very difficult time, and so if you can think of Eddie and Diane and uh, pray for them, uh, if you will. And um, let's see, who else? Boy, there's been so many this this week, I know I'm going to forget somebody. Uh, but uh, anyway, well, those are the ones that I know, and uh, I'm probably forgetting someone. But uh, a lot of folks to be in prayer for. Um, and uh, then we thank the Lord. Boy, there's been so many good answers to prayer recently that we've rejoiced in. My friend Constantino Vicente, who we've been praying for, uh, doing very well in his recovery. We thank the Lord for that. And uh, really, we weren't sure if he was even going to make it or not. And so very, very glad to hear that good report uh, from his family, to see some of the videos they've posted, and uh, very excited to see that. And then uh, my mom had some really good blessings this week, and we thank the Lord for that answer to prayer. She was very excited about uh, down in Florida. And uh, God has just been so good. He's overwhelmed us. And uh, then we were able to get a truck this week for me to drive here at the church. And uh, we thank the Lord for His provision there and for working that out. And uh, all of it just went through well. And a uh, nice truck, a Toyota Tundra that I can use and uh, it'd be a tremendous help. In fact, we picked it up on Monday and Tuesday morning. We were hard at work with it. So uh, we didn't let it grow grass under its tires. We, get, we got right busy with it. And uh, so we thank the Lord for that, and uh, what a blessing that was uh, to be able to, to have that happen. And so I uh, appreciate so many of you that prayed about that and thought on that, and uh, we're willing to, to allow that to happen. Uh, all right, any other prayer requests tonight, that, those of you that are here that we can think of? Tomorrow night with Brother Harold, do we want to mention that? or Okay. Oh, okay. Did not go well. Okay. All right. Well, we'll continue to pray that God will open that door up and allow things to, to go there. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's uh, we need to be praying in these last days for God to give us opportunities, and He does. Oftentimes He does. Sometimes we miss them. We don't see them for what they are. And uh, help us to, uh, maybe we need to pray that God would help us to, uh, see more clearly and understand them when they happen, that we would uh, take full advantage of them and have the opportunity to share the gospel with folks. All right, anything else? Everybody else has what they need? Okay. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Father, we are so grateful, thankful for the, the ability to come to you in prayer. The amazing thing, Lord, is that we know that you already know what the answers to these requests are. You already knew what they were before we brought them to you. And yet you've allowed us the privilege to bring them to you in prayer for not your sake, but for our sake. To allow us to be able to express our faith and to lean upon you to gain the comfort that there is in laying those burdens at your feet. And so, Lord, we do come to you tonight. We ask for you to, to touch the bodies of those that... Uh, have been sick in our church, that you would strengthen them and uplift them. We pray for Brother Richard, especially tonight uh, in the hospital. And, Lord, touch his body, raise him up, and strengthen him, bring him back to us. We think of our shut-ins tonight, Brother Everett and 
Brother uh, Ron Beckett and Jess and Sarah Harris, Ms. Jean Whitener, uh, Lord, so many of our folks that are shut-ins tonight. And uh, we pray that you would give grace to them, help them to be encouraged. And, fathers, we have opportunity. We can drop them a note or uh, give them a phone call just to try to check up on them and let them know we're thinking of them, praying for them. And, uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us to have those opportunities. We pray for the times that you give us to... Uh, uh, bump into folks and have uh, circumstances work out to where we have opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And, Lord, sometimes the door that is wide open for us to be able to talk to people about you. And I pray that you would help us to recognize those for what they are, that you would strengthen us and give us the uh, empowering of your Holy Spirit as we talk and as we speak, that you would call to remembrance the things that we need to know and say, that you would put uh, in our mouths, the words that would be helpful to those that uh, we're speaking to. And then, Father, that you'll bless the service tonight, and Lord, dealing with a a very important subject, a subject that uh, oftentimes is overlooked and not spoken on much, but I pray that you would help us to understand it and not to uh, misread Scripture or misinterpret it, but that we would understand it fully and that we would have your heart in the matter. And so, Father, help us with this, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's take our Bibles tonight. If you will, turn to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. I want to deal with the topic, and and this may end up being a two-part message. In fact, more than likely it will, because I've got a lot of material. I've said so often before, we need to be careful uh, in our church especially, uh, but even in our Christian lives, in our own personal walks with the Lord we need to be careful to understand what Scripture says about a particular subject. Um, oftentimes we uh, have preconceived ideas or thoughts, and a lot of that comes from maybe things we were taught when we were younger or maybe things we've misunderstood for a number of years. Um, you know, I, I'm uh, reminded of the, the verse of Scripture, and we dealt with it several months ago, that I hear quoted so often. Uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so many people quote that as if to say, well, there's more of God's presence if there's two or three gathered there. And if you don't have two or three gathered there, you only get part of God's presence. Well, that's not at all what that verse was teaching about. And in fact, if you'll take time to look up what that whole verse and passage is dealing with, it's dealing with church discipline. It's dealing with having to discipline someone in the church for some uh, sin in their life that they're not willing to get right and they're just flaunting and uh, having a, an attitude towards God about. And uh, it tells them that uh, they're supposed to take two or three witnesses, and then it uses that verse. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And uh, so often we misuse that verse. And that's not to say that where two or three are gathered that God is not there. Certainly He is. But understand that even if there's only one gathered, God is there. God's presence is there. If you're a Christian... And uh, so I use that as an illustration. So often we, uh, we misunderstand some things in Scripture. I, I don't hear a lot of preachers, in our circles especially, uh, preach on this topic. In fact, I, I'm not real sure that I have ever heard another preacher teach or preach an entire message on this topic. And yet there's an awful lot about it that is needful, and that is the issue of, of individual soul liberty or the fact of uh, Christians having liberty. And uh, it's in the Bible, by the way. 
Unless you're sitting there saying, liberty, boy, we're always hearing how we're under, we're under this and we're under that. Christians have liberty, and it is in Scripture. And I want us to look at what does the Bible say about it tonight and hopefully be a help to us. We're going to begin reading in verse number 16. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 16. We do have a lot of verses to look at, and so please, if you will, keep your Bibles handy, and more than likely, uh, we will also deal with this again next Wednesday night uh, in Romans, and if you want to get ahead of me and begin studying, uh, Romans chapter 14 specifically, uh, we'll deal with Lord willing next Wednesday night. Look with me, if you will, in Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 16. Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. <clears throat> and these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, one of the things that we hold to as Baptists is what we call individual soul liberty. In other words, basically what we're saying by that is we as God's people believe that in the day that we live with God's Word on our laps have the ability to read Scripture for, it, for ourselves and to have the Holy Spirit of God illuminate that passage of Scripture to our hearts and to our lives. We don't have to have a person teach it to us, in other words. Um, we do believe that there's a lot of benefit to having church and preaching. The preaching of the gospel is very, very important in our lives and our spiritual growth. However, don't get the idea that the only understanding of Scripture you can have is if you come to church and hear what the preacher has to say about it. If that's the only kind of understanding of Scripture that you think there is, then you're missing out on, on almost all of the Christian life because that's really a fairly small amount of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be walking in the Spirit daily. We're supposed to be reading the Scriptures daily and seeing what it tells us to do. Now, that being said, if we're to walk in the Spirit, that means there are some things that oftentimes we walk after that we're not supposed to walk after. Number one, you're not supposed to walk after your pastor, okay? Uh, I am fallible. I'm just as fallible as any other man. Uh, I, I battle the same things that everybody else does. There's not a supernatural thing about a pastor that causes them to be some superior Christian above everybody else. We have the same temptations, we have the same battles to face, we have the same uh, um, uh, burdens to bear, and uh, in some cases, maybe even more so, as Satan oftentimes attacks uh, those that are trying to stay faithful to his word and proclaim it. And, and so I say all that to say this, um, it, it, and I've said this so often before, it's just a, an easier way for me to say this, but if it comes down to an issue of your pastor saying something and the Bible saying something different to it, there's no debate about it. You obey what the Bible says, all right? Uh, the pastor is wrong in that case. And you say, Brother Greg, oh, don't talk about a pastor being wrong. The truth is we're human and we're fallible. Uh, where we got this idea that, that the man of God can never be wrong about Scripture, I, I don't know where we got it from, but it's not in Scripture. It's not biblical. Paul as great a Christian as he was, at the end of his ministry, said, I have not attained. He said, the things that I should do, uh, I, I don't do. The things I ought not do, I find myself doing, he said. And he, he went on and on about how he was the chiefest of sinners. And, and this is a man that we look up to and say, boy, I wish I could be like him. Uh, in fact, he's the only person in Scripture that God gave permission under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 
to say to write the words, "Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ." And I like to I like to follow the example of the Apostle Paul. I think there's some good benefit to that. But even Paul was not perfect. Now, the scripture he wrote was perfect because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. But understand that a man who stands behind the pulpit uh, and preaches the Word of God, unless we believe in continuing inspiration of Scripture and continuing revelation of Scripture, the man behind the pulpit can be fallible. He is not, he's not sitting here, uh, as these writers of the Scriptures did, with the unerring inspiration of the Holy Spirit upon them. Hopefully, we have the illumination of the Holy Spirit upon us but no, no more so than any other Christian. We all have that same access to the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us in God's Word. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're not to walk in the pastor, all right? We're not to walk in the like-minded brethren, uh, the group of folks that we associate with and what their, uh, what their stipulations are and what their beliefs are and what their standards are. Now, in doctrine, we must be solid. We find that in Scripture. But there are so many things oftentimes. I remember as a kid uh, growing up that I went to some, some uh, I mean, some hot uh, Bible conferences. And, boy, some men of God get up there and they were, they were laying it out, brother. They, they had Scripture and they would read a Scripture and then they would not let that get in the way of their message. They set that aside and they'd start preaching hard. <laughs> you say, Brother Greg, you're making fun of that. But truthfully... I heard things when I was a kid, such as wire-rimmed glasses are a sin. I heard that lapel mics back, we used to have the old big black Shure microphone that sat about two feet away from you. You couldn't hear anything through it. And when you did, it sounded like this all the time. And people came out with a lavalier mic that went on your tie. Remember that? The first ones that came out? And you know who, who ended up getting those first because they had a lot of money? The liberal crowd. The liberal crowd started using them. And all of a sudden, people started saying, boy, I'm not like these fellows that wear these lapel mics, you know, and I'll, I'll never wear one of those things. And nobody in the service even hardly heard them or understood them uh, because of the microphone they were using. And, and so I say all that to say there are some things that in the circles that we run in uh, are expected. Uh, if you don't do these things or, or maybe things that uh, we're supposed to do that we don't do, uh, according to the group, the peers... Uh, then they look at us as being unspiritual. Can I tell you this? Our peers have never been the standard of our life. Our pastor has never been the standard of our life. And I think he ought to be an example, but he is not the standard. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, other brothers and sisters in Christ that sit in the pews of our churches, they are not the standard that we're trying to reach. We have one standard, and that is the Word of God. We do it as we're enabled and as we're empowered and led by the Holy Spirit of God and Him alone. Now, I say all that to preface some things that uh, we as God's people have liberty. Look with me in Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 1. Paul says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again, with the yoke of bondage. Now, I will say this, and, and bear with me. It's going to take two weeks of this to draw it all out and make sense of it from Scripture. I am not going to tell you tonight that uh, standards, preferences, things that we've incorporated into our worship services, that they are bad things or that they are wrong things. 
What I'm getting at is this, that we have liberty in Christ when it comes to things that are preferential. When it comes to things that are matters of the conscience. We do not have liberty under doctrine. We know our doctrine has to be secure, and that has to be foundational. But we are talking here about things that affect our life, our conversation, our testimony, if you will. There is liberty there. Now, Paul said this later on to the Corinthian church. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. And that's where we're going to go with some of this next week. That even though we have liberty, there are some things we choose not to do or to do anyway, even in spite of the fact we have liberty, because we are trying to, to be a good example to others. There's some other testimony things involved there. But I want us to understand a very, very vital truth that does not get preached on very often here. And I want us to look at that. We're going to go tonight to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, if you will. We're going to spend most of our time in this chapter. Uh, we will turn to a few other uh, passages perhaps here in just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Paul is dealing here with an issue. Uh, he's dealt with uh, the church uh, in the area of uh, fornication and some things that were going on uh, in the church. He dealt with issues of marriage. Uh, and divorce. He deals with uh, several things in chapters 5, 6, and 7. We get to chapter number 8, and a question is brought to him. And uh, we're going to read beginning in verse number 1. Now, it's touching things offered unto idols. Okay, I'm going to stop right there for a minute, and I'm going to explain what we're going to be doing here with this chapter. Paul uses a specific uh, circumstance, a specific set of illustration or parameters to teach a biblical principle regarding such things as this. All right, so I want you to understand that he's dealing in this chapter with liberty and the idea of a weaker brother and a stronger brother. Uh, very, very important that we understand this. He says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. Uh, sounds like my dad. <laughs> Son, you think you know it all? <laughs> you don't know anything yet. That's kind of what God's telling us here through the Apostle Paul. Understand this. There are some things that are brought out in verse number 1 that are foundational to what we're going to find the rest of the chapter. Let me ask you a question tonight. Is idolatry wrong, yes or no? Well, sure it is. We know that, don't we? We have knowledge of the fact that idolatry is wrong. And uh, in terms of what they were doing, which was having graven images made, in the city of Corinth especially, this was a big problem. Uh, they would make idols, actual little figurines and different things that people would worship. Let me ask you this question. Is that little figurine, is it a god? No, it's not. We as God's people know there's only one God, right? He's, he's all-powerful. In fact, Paul's going to talk about it here in just a minute. So we know that that idol is nothing. It's a piece of wood. It's a piece of stone. It's not an idol to us. It's, it's just a great, it's an image that somebody made. But to somebody, to somebody, that is a God. Very important that you understand this. So notice this, that there's knowledge. Paul talks about this. Now be careful of this. Paul's warning us about this knowledge because he says knowledge puffeth up. But he says, charity edifieth, and he's going to talk to us about the importance of us behaving in such a way that we edify later in this chapter. 
So he says in verse number 2, If any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet, as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know, Christians, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God. So this is the knowledge that we have. We all understand that. We, I don't think any of us here at Keith Heist Baptist Church or those tuning in by way of live stream would say, Pastor, no, no, I think there's other gods. We understand there's only one. And these little graven images that people have made and worship, they're just wood, they're just stone, they're just plastic, whatever it is that they make them out of. And as God's people, we know these things. However, not every Christian is at the same level, are they? Think about this for a few moments. Look with me, if you will. Uh, let's go to um, Galatians chapter number 5 again. Hold your place here. We're going to come right back. I, want to, I think this is the passage I'm, I want to get to. Galatians chapter number 5. And uh, let's look in verse number 13. I think it is. Uh, I think it is. Yes, okay. Oh, it's not the one I was looking for, but it's one that will work. Okay. For brethren, we have been, uh, verse number 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty only. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now keep that thought in mind for a moment. That even though under grace, now that Christ has died on the cross, we're not under the law anymore. We've been freed from the law. We, we have liberty in Christ uh, in a lot of areas. Now, of course, in the area of doctrine, that's settled. We know that. That's in Scripture. But we're dealing with things that become preferential things. Uh, and even, even with uh, something as, as simple as meat that was sacrificed to idols, understand that uh, back in Paul's day, uh, the folks that worshipped that idol would bring a sacrifice uh, they would make the sacrifice, and then the priest of that idol would take a portion of that sacrifice, and then the family would take the rest of it, and they would eat that as part of their worship to that idol. However, a Christian that went to that person's house for supper, and that person takes and lays that on the table and puts it in front of them and says, oh, by the way, we sacrificed this to our idol. This is part of our, our idol worship. Uh, then Paul said, there's some of you questioning, well, should I eat of that? He says, understand this, we have liberty, we know that that's not an idol, it's nothing in heaven or in earth, and so we, we certainly, you could eat it, there's nothing wrong with it, it's meat. But notice what he says here in verse number 7. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak, is defiled. Do you see that? Their conscience being weak is defiled. Now, it's very, very interesting for us to note this, that there are levels of Christianity. Let's say it this way. Paul said it this way. He said, I, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase a verse. I don't have it in front of me here. But he said, I want to speak to you as spiritual, but I have to speak to you as under carnal because as such you're babes. You can't, you, you don't, you can't take... <clears throat> the meat of the word yet. 
Now, there are carnal Christians that are on what we would call the milk of the Word. And there's two reasons why somebody might be on the milk of the Word. Number one, they might be a brand new Christian. They might be somebody who just got saved. They don't know anything about Scripture other than that they got saved. And they would be considered uh, someone that's a babe in Christ or someone that is on the milk of the Word. But then there are Christians that maybe have been saved for a length of time but have chosen to live their life carnally, and uh, they do not walk after the Spirit. They're not growing in the spiritual life. And this person also is on the milk of the Word. Now, this could be somebody that's been in church 25, 30, 40 years. This could be somebody that's even taught a Sunday school class. This could be somebody that's run a bus ride. This could be somebody that's sung in the choir. This could be somebody that's uh, given a testimony at camp or at a men's meeting or a couple's meeting. Uh, they could still be a babe in Christ because they've not grown in some areas. They don't have the knowledge that Paul spoke about. That even though this meat was sacrificed to idols, we know there is nothing wrong with it because it's just meat. The idol was nothing that was a problem there. And Paul said we have that knowledge. But he said to some people, verse number 7, to some people, that meat is, is sacred. It was sacrificed to an idol. And they consider it with such. Notice in verse number 7, Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being, notice this, what's the next word here? Their conscience being weak is defiled. It's interesting to me that in this case, the person who has perhaps the higher standard of saying, I don't want to eat that meat because it was sacrificed to idols, is considered the weaker conscience. It's kind of interesting that that would be the case. But understand where they're coming from. They just came out of idolatry. They're still new to this Christianity thing. And to them, that meat has significance. It bothers their conscience. They've had a problem in that area before. And so they set a standard where, hey, that was of the pagan realm over there. I'll have nothing to do with that anymore because now I'm saved. Well, I'm thankful for their, their standard. Nothing wrong with them having that standard. Notice that Paul says... I don't have that standard because that's not a problem for me. I understand that that's not an idol. That's not a god. That's, that's just wood. So notice what Paul says here. So you have two people here. Both of them saved. One says, can't eat meat. It's been sacrificed to the idol. The other one says, hey, I have liberty. That's just meat. It's not unclean. Which one's right? The answer is both. And for one to impose upon the other is the offense. I understand that very, very clearly. For one to impose that standard on the other is an offense. Now, I'm not talking about doctrine here. Doctrine is settled. Not up for discussion. Not up for debate. You can't disagree on it. We're talking here about lifestyle. We're talking about con uh, a conversation, our testimony. All right? Now, let's see what Paul says here. Again, Folks, I'm not giving you my opinion, okay? I'm telling you what does the Bible say about this. Very, very important. Because we have missed this for so many years. And sadly, we have caused so much harm to the cause of Christ 
because we have mismanaged this idea of Christian liberty. Now notice with me in verse number 8. But meat, okay, doesn't matter. Sacrificed idols, not sacrificed idols, doesn't matter. But meat, notice what it says here, commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. In other words, hey, whether I've got the standard to not eat the meat sacrificed to the idols or I don't, that is not what commends me to God. The outward expression of what I'm doing here. Now, is this this person's conscience? Absolutely, it's their conscience. I cannot eat meat that was sacrificed to an idol. This man over here who knows and understands and has the knowledge of Christian liberty says, hey, I, I understand I have liberty. That is a clean thing. It's nothing contrary to Scripture about it, nothing unclean about it. The idol is nothing. It's just meat that's been cooked. I can eat that and have liberty in that. That person has their conscience on it. Now, notice what it says here in verse number 8. But, the meat, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat... Are we better? Neither if we eat not, are we the worse? The issue of the standard is not what commends us to God. Follow with me. The issue of the heart in the matter is what commends us to God. Did I follow the conscience that I have been given? Now notice what he says here. But take heed, verse number 9. Now do I have liberty? Absolutely. Idolatry is wrong, but that idol is nothing. We know it's nothing. And meat that was sacrificed to it, there's no significance there. Do I have liberty? Absolutely, I have liberty. Even Paul talks about this here. But, now here's the but, okay? Take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a, what? Stumbling block to them who are, to them that are weak. Okay? Again. The one that has the standard, hey, this is way up here, considered the weaker conscience, the, the knowledge isn't there yet of liberty, not, not, not a wrong thing. In fact, in, and you'll see here in just a minute, that standard for them is a right thing. Very important. Understanding and knowing liberty here is also a right thing. Now look what he says, verse number 10. For if any man see thee which, thou ha- which hast knowledge... Sit at meat in the idol's temple. Shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish. Why? Because in his mind, the eating of the meat is idolatry. The worship of that idol. In your heart, Eating of the meat is just eating of meat because that was a piece of rock over there on the wall. That was a piece of, piece of wood somebody carved. So notice this, for whom Christ died. But when ye sin, so against the brethren. Notice that phrase. But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against who? Christ. Okay, follow with me for a minute. We'll be done. Idolatry, wrong, sinful. The fact that an idol is not a god, no. We certainly know that, right? An idol is not a god. Meat sacrificed to an idol, 
No significance. We have liberty in the matter. Us eating that meat is not sinful. We have liberty. Now, you can apply this to a number of things that oftentimes get piled on the heap among our circles. However, if there's somebody whose conscience it does bother, and I go out here and I openly do this, and I cause them to have boldness to go and do it against the conscience that they have, my sin is not in the eating of the meat, but my sin is that I have been a stumbling block to them. Everybody understand the difference here? Okay? So we love that brother. We teach that brother. We try to show them from Scripture. There's liberty, and they will grow. Understand that every Christian, you've got some that are babes in Christ, you've got some that are teenagers in Christ, I guess you could call it like that. The Bible doesn't say, but there's a growth there between babes and, and full maturity. And that knowledge that we gain comes from the more we study Scripture, the more we walk with God, and understand individual soul liberty. Very important that we understand these things. But we need to be patient and not be a stumbling block in our testimony or our walk that would cause somebody who does not understand the situation of liberty to be offended by it. If we are the stumbling block to them, the Bible tells us here, and again, just going by what the Bible says, it says that when we sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Now notice what he says here, and he wraps it up in verse number 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Did Paul have the right to eat meat sacrificed to idols? Did he have liberty to do so? Absolutely. Was it a sin for the Apostle Paul to eat meat? No, not at all. But if that weaker brother, the person who's got the weaker conscience, saw that and was emboldened to go back into that lifestyle, then he has sinned against that brother. He's become a stumbling block for them. So we set the standard. And this time we don't do it because we think that that's a right or wrong issue. We do it for sake of testimony and edifying of the brethren. Everybody understand that? So took a long way to get there, and we're going to delve even further into this next week when we get into Romans chapter 14, because he's going to hit a few other topics of interest and tell us how we're supposed to treat them. And uh, so bear with us. Next week we'll pick up there. I don't want to try to start it tonight. We've got five minutes left, and we wouldn't even get into it yet from Romans chapter 14. Uh, if you want to read ahead, study a little bit on it. It might help you and then get you a little head start for next Wednesday. But hang on, okay? Um, our standards, am I minimizing standards? No, no, not at all. If anything, I'm saying we need to be careful of, for testimony's sake, that standard needs to be there. Even if there's, there's liberty, all right, understanding this. So, uh, hey, um, I'm going to throw out just some standards that are out there. Uh, long hair on men. Women wearing dresses. Uh, all of these things. Can, can be rolled into some of these things. Uh, the standard has to be there. Why? If for no other reason than to not be a stumbling block. We've got to make sure we have those. Um, 
entertainment that we watch, things like this. We have to be careful of that. There's some entertainment out there that nothing wrong with it. It's, it's wholesome. There's nothing defiling according to Scripture. It's clean and wholesome. But it may cause someone else to have a real problem with it. And um, we can still sin in it, even though we have liberty, if we take it as an occasion to be a stumbling block to someone else. And so I want to try to help you with this. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll get into Romans chapter 14. And uh, hang on because it gets uh, kind of crazy as we get into that chapter. Uh, folks, again, this is something that uh, rarely do I hear uh, very many preachers preach it or teach it from Scripture uh, as, it's, as it's shown in Scripture. Um, so it's very, very important that we understand this. All right, let's go ahead and be dismissed in order of prayer. And uh, then we'll, uh, Lord willing, by the way, we'll be back on our regular schedule Sunday. Uh, I don't think any of the ladies are going to feel up to bringing lunch. So if you want lunch between the 12 o'clock and the 1 o'clock service, just bring something from home. Uh, I'll try to have an extra rotisserie chicken or something here for any visitors that show up. But um, uh, go ahead and plan on a full day Sunday again, and we'll kind of back to regular schedule again on Sunday. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Lord, may we fully understand it, and Lord, help us to uh, to have a right uh, foundation for the conscience that you give to each of us. Lord, that uh, we would learn to treat the brethren with love, with edification, that we not be uh, going after each other, having a difficult time, or causing strife simply because someone doesn't have the same standard or, or uh, the same liberty as I think that we ought to have. For, Father, you deal with each of us individually in those issues. And you show us this in Scripture, that there are some at different levels of Christianity, not that anyone is any better or any worse, but, Lord, is the heart trying to please you. There may be some that would not eat meat, sacrifice to idols, and their desire wholeheartedly is to please you and bring honor and glory to you. There may be some that feel like they have absolute liberty to eat that same meat, and their heart is that they love you and they want to please you, they want to be a blessing to you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand these things from your word and that we would set our, our standards according to, as your Holy Spirit guides us and directs us, that we would walk in the Spirit, not in what our pastor says, not in what our peers say, not in what our other brothers and sisters have in their lives. Father, may we individually come to you, seek for your Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us in the matters of liberty, in the matters of standards. I pray that you'll guide and direct us in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.